you're doing. Actually, I, I can't take answers from all of you on that one. Um, okay, so we are working our way through the normal radical. It's the series that just keeps finding another, another session each time. Um, so where are we up to so far? So the, just a reminder, a recap of the purpose of the series. So we're called to live out our normal lives in a radical way. The values that this church has discovered are as radical today as they were 30 years ago. Our job is to rediscover those values and reapply those values. And for that, we've been given permission to deconstruct and reconstruct the expression of those values. So, so far in the series, we've had the normal radical, uh, the welcome to the normal radical session. And you'll remember some of those images. We looked at the, the, really the key question that we're facing is what pleases him? And that's the way that we can actually be part. That's what makes us candidates for um, deconstructing and reconstructing if we're asking that question. Uh, we've looked at values around money. We've looked at serving with some of these different images you remember. Last time, the topic that we were looking at was, I've got the power. We're looking at authority and leadership, and we had the story of Barbara, Joan, and Joel. Um, we had this image of the pipeline that God uses, and we had a, um, the phone call from the What's Your Question. Now, I'm going to give you a minute now um, to text me any questions that you've got from the series so far. Um, my number's on there, and we... We will continue to put them onto the question log, and some of them we might even deal with next Sunday when we've got a review Sunday. So start the timer for me. Any questions that you've got so far? Hopefully you guys have noticed the question log's got about 96 questions on it, some of which have been answered. If you're interested in joining any of the uh, select committees, we've got two up and running now. So if you're interested in, in housing, talk to... Gordon Brewer, if you're interested in making the crash more, uh, more eventful and more interesting, talk to Keisha and Wilco. Okay, right. So this episode that we're now looking at... So we're called as a, as a group here to be a company of game changers, to bring change into the situations that we're, that we're facing. So we're going to unpack what does that mean? What is that value that God's taught us and how do we express it? So before that, we've got a taught on camera. Create the future or honour the past. Create the future. 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 Defend the truth or discover the truth. Discover the truth. Discover the truth. Defend the truth. Discover 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 the truth. Make the world work well or make the church work well. Make the world work well. Make the church work well. Make the church work well. World work well. Make the world work well. Make the world work well. The world work well. Living within limitation or living without limitations? Living without limitations. 
living without limitation. Living without limitation. Living without limitations. Living without limitations. Living within limitations. Without limitations. Living without limitations. Without limitations. Smaller anointing on the many or big anointing on, on a few. Smaller anointing on the many. Big anointing on the many. Smaller anointing on the many. Heaven now or heaven later? Now. Heaven 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 now. I think heaven is now and I think it's later as well. Oh, clever little answer there. Um, so, those are some of the questions that, that really f reflect our stance on, on life, what the church is for, what the kingdom's about. And so see if you can spot those kind of questions as, as we move on through. So we're going to kick off with a scenario. Okay, so Hugo hates his job. It is highly stressful. The consequences of making a mistake seem overwhelming. He sees all sorts of problems that he can't um, see how to tackle. He just sees victims of the system everywhere he turns. So he prefers to withdraw by playing computer games and go into church meetings. Hugo is in an apostolic community, but doesn't seem to get that this could impact his work life. Okay, so with four or five people around you, you've got three questions there. What do we mean by apostolic community? What impact could Hugo expect from being part of an apostolic community? What would Hugo need to do to benefit from being part of an apostolic community? Okay, so in four, five, or six people, you've got just about three minutes on those, because they're well easy. Okay, right. Let's grab some answers. Kicking off with a nice, easy one at the beginning. What do we mean by apostolic community? Rich, can I have you on me? Okay, Dave, apostolic community. Apostle means sent ones, so I would assume it's a community that sends people into places to make an impact. Okay, good. Anyone want to expand on that? Raise the ante? Okay, Heather? Um, a community of pioneers. There we go. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I, think, I think those begin to give the shape of it. Just to add to that, there is a rec an apostolic community recognises an apostle, which is a, a, a person that God gives the church to build the church so that they can be those that are pioneering, that are sent. And so what would, what would we expect the impact for Hugo from being part of this community? What, what would we expect for his life? I would expect that if he's prepared to be open, he could get clarity and a sense of purpose and hopefulness out of every area that he's involved in, rather okay. than despair and withdrawal. Okay, good. Other answers? I think he'd expect to be someone who brought a change to the systems and actually saw things done differently in a different way, so rather than be a victim of them. Okay, good. Andy? Be this aspect of being in relationship... And because you're in relationship, what the apostle receives is also available to us. Mm -hmm. So what, what particularly for Hugo do you think that, that could change for him? I think the thing is, is that the purpose of the church, which is to grow, so even the gates of hell will not prevail against it, that is what he needs at work, that anointing to know that he is greater 
than the one that's in the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's a lot in terms of that mindset change. Just to um, some of the thoughts that I, I thought was, I would expect that he doesn't have to live in stress. Um, I'd expect that even if he doesn't, if he doesn't love his job, he might have a vision for what, what he's called to do, that he's there for a reason. Um, freedom from fear of mistakes. That would be something that I'd expect to, to come through the relationships that he has. Having an understanding, he's overwhelmed because there's so much that he sees that is wrong. But to know these things are for me to challenge, these things aren't at this point in time. And, and called to impact and not to escape. So he's escaping into his computer games and even to church meetings, which might look very nice. But if it's not leading to empowering him for where he's going, he's not benefiting from the apostolic community. Okay, so last question. What does he need to do in order to get the benefit from being part of the apostolic community? Okay, we've already had Andy. Let me, let's give someone else. So who, who else can give an answer before Andy gets there? Okay, Sam. He needs to be transparent and, and show these vulnerabilities and talk with people who maybe have experienced it or just a lot wiser and show him how to live more Good. mindfully. Okay. Any 16-plus or youth answers? You're all very quiet. You were pretty much looking at this on Friday, youth. Okay, great. Good, I'm glad that really <laughs> landed learning, eh? Landed learning. <laughs> okay, anyone, any answers? Lorraine. I was, just, I was just thinking about that picture that Lucy used last week when she said about getting, in, get, getting behind the big swimmer. Chasing the big swimmer in the pool. And being in the wake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, what would that look like for Hugo? Um... I think similar to what Sam said, I think it would be uh, getting close to people, being transparent with people, also trusting God that actually you're under that grace and you can access that grace mm -hmm. in, in, as you're transparent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There, there are life joints, there are life relationships there. Okay, good. Any other practicals that we could advise Hugo to do? Okay, Andy, then Moses. Just really what's been said before, but he needs discipling. Okay, so get discipled, good. Moses? Uh, knows he, he needs to know what his problems are and then seek input, ask for input, uh, because the community he lives in is open to help in that way. Sorry, the community that he lives in? Uh, is, is prepared and willing to give input okay. if they know what that is. Mm. That's quite interesting, that, that last point, because the assumption that others wouldn't be interested is a fantastic blockage from being able to get, part, uh, get the benefit of the, the apostolic. Okay, so that, those are great answers. The openness I, I was thinking about. So, so, so he's talking to the people that he's in relationship with and he's telling them his own scenario and then he's inviting them, speak into this. This is how I feel. And so it's not just a whinge. It's seeking input for change. Letting people get behind him. So sometimes we think, I, I've got to manage this on my own. I've got to figure this out. But God's not made us to be that way. He's put us in relationship. The illustration that I've kept using about the, the idea of the pipelines and putting your bucket under the pipeline, recognizing that God uses different people in different situations, but making sure, God, where are you giving your resources to me? Which, which channel are you using in this situation? Because it doesn't feel like he's really thinking about that. And instead of trying to wait for getting his resources through the pipeline, he's, he's switched off. 
and being proactive, not just waiting to be asked questions, but to offer answers. And I think one of the key things about the apostolic community is we don't just want Hugo to feel better. That's not what it's about. It's about he's called to bring an impact to where he is. It's not just... If he just felt less stressed at work, but yet did not have a vision for where he was, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be what we're about either. Okay, so, teach it. It's my slot today. just want to run through for you my understanding of what we mean by the company of game changers and pretty much being in part of that apostolic. So, one of my favourite verses is from a weird book called... Habakkuk. Um, and it says, The earth will be filled with the knowledge or the awareness of the glory of, of the Lord as water covers the sea. And I like that verse because I think, well, how do you define the sea? You define the sea by water, right? So you don't say, like, you don't walk down the beach and say, I'm in the sea now, and then I take two more steps and I start getting wet. No, you wouldn't say that you're in the sea until you've started getting wet. So the definition of the sea is water. It's water. And so if you apply that to the earth, if you were a Martian living on another planet, the way that you would recognize earth for being earth is, oh, it's completely full of the knowledge of God. It's completely aware of God. That's, that's how the earth is defined. That's the ultimate defining point of the earth. It's full of the knowledge of God. That's God's intention. We're some way off of that. We're not there yet. Why aren't we there? Well, you see, during the fall, sin entered the world and it crept into our minds, it crept into nature, crept into entertainment, it crept into politicians and politics and all this kind of stuff. Wherever you look, sin has creeped into those places, burrowed into those places, because the doorway was open to sin. It took us away from God's intention. But God brought a cure through the sacrifice of Jesus. The death and resurrection of, of Jesus was the antidote that broke the power of the curse of sin. And so, when Jesus died, it's now calling for us to have a role wherever sin has seeped, salvation has to follow. God's not going to catch us all up in a, a nice little chariot and run us off to heaven. That's not what we believe. We believe that God is still committed to his original promise that this whole world has to be filled with his knowledge. So if you're hoping that you're going to be rescued from this place, you've misunderstood what the Bible's saying. We are here for a purpose to bring things back to God's intent. So it, it can't be acceptable for Hugo to just complain about his work because he's been planted there to bring salvation to wherever sin has creeped. So that's, that's like the big, um, the macro Story. Now, let's break it down into the, the micro. So, if we imagine the world where we've been put, we've been put in situations that are dry, that are inhabitable, that are hostile environments. It's in these points 
that God needs to turn it into something different. So it says in Ephesians 3, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities of the heavenly realms. Okay, the bit I want you to focus on is, God's got all this wisdom, and it's all got to get into the earth, for the earth to be filled with his wisdom. He's going to do it through a tiny little hole in the atmosphere, which is called the church. So if you imagine, he's pouring it down, and he chooses to pour his wisdom through the church, but always with the intention that it spreads out. It spreads out and it fills, it creeps into all, all areas where sin has crept. Salvation has to chase it out. So a church that looks to try and have a bottom on its cup, that tries to catch it all, is not an apostolic community. We have to be a channel to let the wisdom of God flow out. We have to have the answer as the church. We have to be the solution because God has chosen to use us. Now, how does he do it? So, zooming in a little bit further. So, we've got the church. But in Ephesians 4, verse 11, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for the works of service so the body of Christ might be built up. So, those what we talk about the five-fold ministry, they're given to empower us as the church to be strong enough to carry salvation to the desert places that he's put us. So when we're talking about apostolic community, it's about a people that have gathered under that apostle because they've been given by God to channel through his wisdom that the earth needs to flood the, flood the land that has become dry and desolate. So... I keep harking back to to this image. So I know that I don't have enough resource in my cup. If I'm Hugo, I don't have enough. I don't have the answers. I don't have the solution. I feel overwhelmed. I feel under it all. I know that I don't have enough. I know I need more. And so it's trying to think, where, which channel is God going to use to channel the resources that I need? Now, last time we were talking about the role of leadership. God gives us leaders for that purpose. Now, to build on this this kind of image, um, I've used this explanation before, and I've added to it with other little pictures, so hang on. Um, So imagine this blue square represents God's purpose for the earth. This is how he wants wants to divide up responsibility for, for stewarding and working his land. Now, it's disproportionate, but otherwise you wouldn't be able to see it. So he's given a whole chunk of that responsibility to John, and it's known as God's purpose in lifeline. John, and this is an example that I've used for a while, when Nathan was leading the youth, John would then give the responsibility for looking after the young people to Nathan, and that's God's purpose in the youth. Now, I was serving Nathan at that point, and so I had a little area that I was responsible for, which was... Um, a bunch of young people, some events that I was doing. That was the, the look of it. But first of all, I was given to serve Nathan in whatever he wanted. So that was my purpose in the grand scheme of things. And I had a line of sight to see, this is the purpose that I'm called here for. This is how I'm expressing it through that service. So I recognize that the, the land that I've got is not my own ministry, but it falls within someone else's land that they're responsible for. So I had to give account to Nathan because he was 
responsible for that land, he would have to give account to John because he was responsible for that land further. So I couldn't just make my own decisions because there is a responsibility that I have to those that I'm serving. And I also had to remember that I'm, I'm primarily serving Nathan in those things. It's, it's not just whatever the young people want. I had to serve them in the spirit of what Nathan was teaching me. The thing is, the tools that I needed and the resources that I needed to, to turn that land into something fruitful, I didn't have enough. I didn't have it in myself. Nathan didn't have it in himself, and John didn't have it in himself. So we're all looking to see, okay, where, where is this going to come from? And so we see that there's a pipeline that is coming through relationship down to me here. So the resourcing is going through John, through Nathan, through me, and that's what leads to fruitful, fruitfulness within my area of ministry. I expect to see breakthrough in the lives of the young people because I'm accessing the, the flow of grace that comes from the apostle to actually bring a difference to where I am. It talks about in Psalm 133 that when Aaron's anointed, the oil flows down from his head, through his beard, down to his feet. And so if you want to get the oil, which represents the anointing, you need to be under the head. You need to be correctly aligned. Because if I decided to go do my own thing, I would cut myself out from the pipeline that God had put there for me. Now, what, does this mean that I can only ever do what, what is told to me? Am I a robot that, that follows blindly? No, I, I don't believe that. And I don't believe that's the way that God works for us. So say there's a new area that we've never been involved in before. So I spot it. I think, actually, God's stirring my heart towards these people or this situation. Perhaps it's works in prisons. Okay, I, I don't think we've done much work in prison at this, this point, but there's, there's a documentary that I've seen or there's an opportunity that's come up. I think, you know what? God's building a compassion in me. So... Do I then think, well, that must be mine because I've seen it. No one else has told me to do it. Therefore, it's my ministry. It's, it's just between me and God. No, because if I've been joined to this community, been joined to this, this apostolic community, I know that that's where my resource and my grace comes for me to be able to be effective in that land. And so what I would do is I'd say, look, I bring it to the apostles' feet. It talks about that. In, in Acts, when people sold their goods, they didn't say, this is just mine now to do with what I want to do with it. It's, I'm looking for the wisdom of God that comes through the apostle. And I'm going to say, this, I want you to use the wisdom that God gives you to allocate this in the most effective way. I do that in the same with opportunities I spot. I see, yeah, I would, I would say, John, I've seen this opportunity. I've been given to serve you. This is where God's planted me. Therefore, I would like to think that this comes under your leadership and your guidance. It's not mine, but I see our role in this. Now, John might, might, might make the decision, okay, well, let me, let me delegate some authority for Nathan to look over that. And Nathan might say, well, you've, you've got a heart for it. Let's get behind you as you work in this new area. 
but there's a focus that I can't bring what I need to bring to this area without the grace that comes through the apostle in order to, to turn the dry land into something positive. We've seen this example with people like Sally with Open Doors and, and Teresa with, with Esau. They saw an opportunity. Teresa was just at the school gates and got talking to another mother who couldn't speak English. And she said, oh, come back to my house. And she started teaching her English through her children's school books. Suddenly she realized, wow, there's an opportunity here. Brings it to the church and says, this is what I'm facing. And suddenly there's a whole movement of a church to get behind the champion that has responded in faith. We've had... um, We see in this the real importance of team. One of the things that came up with the guys in Sierra Leone a while back is they're saying, I don't, we don't tend to use our initiative. We just wait until we're told what to do. But that doesn't fit with kingdom because God stirs individuals to see opportunities. Each of us is called to see. We're not just waiting for our leaders to tell us what is to be seen. But the way that we see and how we respond to it is, is so key. And even in this, it's so important that we keep in mind that we are ultimately responsible to God. So I can't just serve Nathan blindly. I'm still accountable to God, but the way that I express my serving to God is by serving the person that God's given me to. Now, does this mean that I just do everything that he says? No, it definitely didn't mean that when I was working with him. Because at times, Nathan's heart was not always reflected by his commandment what he asked me to do. And at times we had blinding rows trying to figure out, I said, Nathan, I can't see your heart in what you're telling me to do here, so I can't do this. It would not be true faithful serving you if I did what you told me to do without it reflecting your true heart. So for instance, if he said to me, um, Ben didn't turn up to youth the other day, demote him from being a youth leader. It doesn't fit with what I understand the scripture would say. It doesn't fit with, what I, with my conscience. And more importantly, Nathan, it doesn't fit with the heart that, you've, that I've seen in you. So I can't do that until we've walk, walked it through together. And so there was one issue that we just argued and argued over, over a number of weeks, because I couldn't see his heart. And I wanted to serve him the best I possibly could serve him, and not just do what he asked, because that's not true serving. Interestingly, we had a, a situation where we had two of our young people go off to different universities at one stage, both of which got involved in their CUs, both of which were asked to lead their CUs. And one, one guy kind of hadn't had this teaching and so had seen it as, well, there's no involvement from my church community in this, in this university, so therefore this must be my thing, I must come up with the answers, I must get different people's opinions of how to, how to do it. Another guy said, well, this is where God's planted me, therefore I bring it all underneath the power of the leadership that I'm involved in. Saw very different results in those, those two communities because one was accessing the flow and the power of God through this community. One was trying to do it out of the, the resources that were in their cup. 
Now, another terminology that we use, we talk about church as false. So I just want to give this to you quickly. So when we talk, talk as church as false, we talk about an organization in which things happen. Sorry, church as filled. We talk about an organization in which things happen. So it's all about keeping, keeping the resources inside the cup and not, not being something that flows out towards the rest of the church. So this focus is getting people in and keeping them in the church. It's about structure and program. It's about numbers. It's about budget. And it's about escape from the world unless we lower our drawbridge, run out, grab them, drag them back in again, and we call it discipling the world. Okay? We believe as churches are false, where we're equipping people to serve and go. More like releasing paratroopers out into the front line. So it's about training and equipping people to go. It's about people bringing change, um, people being changed and becoming whole and bringing that change into the world that they're going to, being salt and light where they are. So the features of, of an apostolic community, we're talking about access, the breakthrough power. We're talking about catching the heart and vision for the world beyond our walls. We're talking about being equipped for impact and having a pioneering spirit. So I'll sped through that quick. You can look at the PowerPoint later. Um, okay, we have a Dear John. Dear John. Just writing to say how happy I am to be part of the apostolic community. The vision you have is so exciting and the impact your church members are having on the world is inspiring. I suppose the reason I understand this so well is because I, too, am an apostle. Sadly, my previous church didn't really understand this, so I'm relieved to be somewhere that actually does. Uh, one thing you could help me with is how to make sure other people fully understand my anointing. I just feel that if we discuss things further, you could help them understand why I would be a great apostolic leader. After all, John, you're not getting any younger. Obviously, I realize your successor needs to be democratically elected to ensure the right person leads us. However, I'm convinced if you get to know me a bit more, and I told you about my previous achievements, you'd be happy to promote me. With your endorsement, I'm sure I could secure the bulk of the votes and lead this church to further success. Yours, Fred Crudgington. Okay, so dear John... Would you like to give your response to that letter of recommendation? Yeah, you need to, um, you need to get a really big badge. It uh, really stands out that says, I am an apostle and you need to recognise it. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have to understand that in the kind of so-called Christian world, there's a, there, there is... Very worldly things, including status. Status has no place in the kingdom of God. And uh, I don't know to what extent it happens in this country, but it's become a big thing that uh, apostle has been deemed to be like the top of the tree, and that's where everybody wants to get to. Um, Of course, they forget that, yes... Scripture does say first apostles. That's not in superiority. Uh, There's no measure of the anointing of Christ that's more superior than another. It's about a particular uh, 
foundational function. But it also says, last apostles. And nobody seems to want to remember that bit. And then the other idea is that this can be voted in. You see, the, the fact is, God decides these things. These are callings of God. So you, you can't go into Pronto-Print or wherever it is and get a lot of business cards done, uh, which some people are doing, um, declaring who they are. Uh, I had a, a thing come once from a well-known guy in the States um, inviting me to an international coalition of apostles. Uh, and it was done on really expensive paper. I found it quickly in the bin where it belonged. Uh, but the idea that I think then he would probably be the head of the whole thing, like a kind of evangelical pope or something like that. But this is, this is not kingdom stuff. Uh, the idea of democratic election that, he, that we saw in the letter. Uh, well, there's lots of forms of government in the scripture. I don't find democracy. Uh, democracy tends to produce, as we're seeing at the moment, <laughs> a history of winners and losers, and the losers can't wait till the next time that they can become the winners. Uh, no, it, we're talking about the theocracy. We're talking about what God determines and what God ordains. And if it has the flavour of Christ, if it's representative of Christ, it will come with the kind of characteristics which, number one, is not status, number two, contains humility, and is not a striving for position, but a recognition that we need the grace of God to operate even in the calling of God. So it's a completely different mindset and attitude. And uh, I will seek to detail that in a letter to Mr. Crudgington. Okay, right, story time now. So if you want to keep your mic... Okay, so, okay, Simon. Okay, healing a heinous hospital. Some of you remember that a number of years ago, uh, the local hospital, King George, got a really, really bad name. I mean, it, was, it became almost uh, the name for uh, the worst of hospitals. And we felt that because... This was in our, in our area. And because God has called us to bring influence, that we could actually pray. And we communicated with them if there were any specifics. But it's not, we're not putting it forward as a model of all hospitals. But the fact of the matter is that thing changed because it's part of our role to be able to bring influence in that way through prayer. Okay, another question? Debbie. Imagine Avril affecting national policy. Okay. Imagine Avril affecting national policy. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You see, things, you don't always see what the end product of something's going to be. And as we started off, whether it was training in English or at serving the community and the things that God gave us to do. God's blessing upon us caused there to be an increased recognition uh, within the community. 
Now, to cut the story short, there was a particular anointing on Avril, and she was uh, taking a lead role in a number of these things. But in the course of time, it was in the purpose of God that that somehow should filter through further. So there came a time, uh, because of the credibility and the things that were being done and the anointing, that she was invited to chair um, a subcommittee of the Centre for Social Justice as a policy think tank uh, for government uh, on troubled families, the very thing that we'd been engaged in over a period of time. So the things that we believed, the kingdom principles that we had practised, she was able to introduce into that august setting so that at some point after that, when we heard the likes of David Cameron announcing things, they were the very things that had been fed in and we'd had the privilege of, of not just having a theory but having a practice behind it and God using her. Additionally, there would be times when she would be sitting in these places and she didn't know what was really... I mean, you're dealing with people with brains the size of the, you know, hall type of thing. Uh, I'm not saying that Avril hasn't got a brain, you know, like that, but, <laughs> but God would just drop something in and she would hardly know. And this is not just for Avril. This is part of what will God, God will give. Hardly know... Uh, the substance of what she was saying and amongst the discussion they would suddenly, yeah oh yes, that's right that's the answer, that's the way that is, that is an, an access point for the heart of God and the kingdom of God into this world Okay. another question ok, um, turning a poor attender into a superhead yeah, I don't know, we might have probably talked about this before, but there was some years ago a man that came to the church, quite apologetic that he wouldn't be able to be in many of the meetings, but he'd like to, to base here. And he had a background where he had not been popular in his previous church because he'd not attended all the meetings. But we discovered that this man, whose name was Bob Baker, uh, was called of God, uh, to head up this uh, school that was a, in a, a failing state, that was not in a good state at all, and see it transformed. And we, he asked us uh, to understand that he couldn't be there all the time. We felt God said, no, we go further than that. Let us be backing you and be getting behind you in what God has called you to do which is not necessarily to attend the meetings, but to be something in education. And so he saw this amazing turnaround uh, of this school that we stood with him in, in many different ways. And at times that was doing prayer walks around the building? Oh, all sorts of things, which I don't really believe in. But, you know, <laughs> especially, especially in the rain. Uh, oh, yeah, I mean, I got a call. He used to speak like a sergeant major. John, we have a problem. This has to be sorted. There's vandalism in the school. This got, we have to deal with it. But the guy was moving in faith. And, I mean, time and again, bless my soul, the things were dealt with as we came together behind what God had called him to do. Very exciting. 
Um, I'm going to put a request in, and Avril's got to give the answer to this one. Um, Want to hear about game changers in this room? What are you saying to me? You come share that one. Um, while she's just coming up, just to can I just make a point on the back of that, that ba uh, Bob Baker's story. just makes me wonder how many of us have been positioned into a desert that we haven't invited that influence, that, that pipeline into our situation. And our only focus is, oh, I just don't want to be as miserable in my, my desert. But what if that could be turned around and we have that impact that Bob Baker saw in his place of influence? If we just said, I want to get connected and invited people around us to speak into that and bring God's influence into those things, it would be absolutely fascinating. Avril. I think we were just listing out the other day there how many people are involved in such significant things. You know, Vic Morgan and Every Birth Safe Birth really affecting things in this nation for babies who are currently in a very serious situation or dying when they may not need to. And she's involved in shaping up and meeting with people who are working that policy. Lucy November, we heard from last week. Julia Heidi with the Peace Together thing. And Naomi Cramner has got a real thing in terms of the locally for Peace Together. It's not just people saying, oh, I could do a wee project. There's a sense of God saying, we can turn things around. Penny, with her heart and vision for this literally thing, literacy thing, here in Yvonne, in her last job, was voted you know, carer of the year. And that's because she goes to a carer job and makes a difference to the lives of the people she's caring for. When Balthazar was in his last job, he brought these women that he was working with in a, in a cleaning environment to the hub, both to learn English because they were Portuguese speakers. But it was really concerning because they were burning their hands with the bleaches that they were using and their, the, the chemicals and sat down with the guys at the hub and said, this isn't okay, this is not good. You know, people who are being placed in different things by God, and they're not just going to their work and coming home, whatever that job might be, they're saying, you've put me here, so what is mine to do here? And, and there's so many stories, you know, and it, it's endless, but they're just some of the ones that struck me in different settings, whether it's affecting national policy or affecting someone whose hands are being burnt daily by cleaning fluids. This is how God wants us to be game changers. So we're here to make a difference. Um, in essence, it can be in any sphere, in any realm. Um, part of the whole being a force rather than a field is that we're uh, appointed by God uh, to make a change, to make a difference uh, where we are. And I would like to think that, as we're just highlighting that, that we could actually uh, respond to that. And Phil's going to come uh, and just lead us in, in that opportunity to, to do just that. Yeah, when we were talking yesterday, um, and Avril was sharing those stories as well, I was just absolutely struck by um, thinking back to Lucy November's testimony. Uh, I think, was it last week, wasn't it? And as I was sitting there, it was almost like I was getting a wake-up call around the fact that we can be in the midst of that desert, as Jamie's talking about, and God can download something and, and bring a completely different mindset to us. So this thing around being game-changers is for each one of us, but it's also something that if we're not careful, it can just slide past us without realizing that that's for me in my situation, in my sphere. And 
hearing Lucy just get getting that sense of this isn't okay what's happening here with these women in Sierra Leone and God nudging her to do something about it is something that each one of us can respond to so I just want to encourage us this morning that I think there's a real response for us around this message that Jamie's brought around being a community under an apostle where there is a breakthrough anointing to be able to bring change in in this world and um I felt like God's stirring a sense of faith for me. So in my situation as a, um, a head teacher at the moment, I've been, I feel like I've been walking in a bit of a desert and I could relate to some of the stuff that Hugo was, was going through. Um, but getting that sense that that's not okay for me, actually. And why or where am I losing the opportunity to bring things you know, to, to the leadership and say, help me with this? Uh, I kind of got a sense that I'm not making the most of those opportunities. There's something for me personally around that. There's something about me bringing an influence into my school rather than being dictated to by an educational system um, that is very, very pressured. Um, so what's, what's in it for me? And I, I just want to give you an opportunity right now that if you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, I've almost let this slip past my, my radar without realizing that I could be an influencer in my sphere, or maybe you're thinking, actually, this is exactly what I want. I think there's a response opportunity this morning. So um, could we stand together? And if you're thinking, this is an anointing that I really want want to receive, I'd like to invite you to to come up to to the front area. I'm going to ask for some of the leaders to come forward to to pray. Um, And I think this is a specific opportunity for us to lay hands, um, as we see in the Bible. That happens sometimes where you know, we come and we lay hands on people as we pray for them. It's not anything spooky. It's just an opportunity to say, I really want to receive that anointing um, that is there um, to, to be a breakthrough change person, part of this apostolic community. So, yeah, just we, we are going to, I think, finish the, the meeting now. Um, but if you're thinking, actually... I've been asleep with this. This is an opportunity, or yes, I really want this. Let's let's come forward now. And for the rest, um, if feel free to just join in fellowship. Uh, we've, we've probably got teas and coffees today, have we? Yeah. So do find out about teas and coffees. It'll be on the newsletter, or you can ask one of the stewards where that will be taking place as well. Um, but yeah, opportunity to respond now. Okay. So grab it if you want it. <laughs>